This is Tales of the Multiverse, a Lignin Story by Jeffrey Dabner. Chapter 2 The Vast Forests of Nuti. <gasps> Thomas! gasped Sarah. Why are you out here so late? Just completing the project I got in class today. Stars are just too beautiful to pass up, Thomas replies with a smile. And they were. The stars lit up the dark October sky like a million fireworks miles and miles in the distance. The cool wind swept through Sarah's hair as she stood, pondering what to do next. Sarah could tell Thomas about her plans to leave Ligna, but that would leave open loose ends. She needs all the ends fastened down. So, what are you doing? Thomas repeats. Well, Sarah begins hesitantly. I have decided to finish our quest, alone. I must venture past the borders of Ligna to meet the shaman, Thomas. Shocked, Thomas replies, Right now, it's mid-evening. Yes, I know. But since this crystal is so sought after, I must use the night to my advantage to stay hidden. Ah, that makes sense. Well, if you're going, then I'm going, declares the loyal Thomas. No, Thomas. It'll be too dangerous. There are many trolls and goblins, wolves and bears. I don't want you to get hurt. Nonsense, asserts Thomas. We have your fighting stick. We'll be fine. Sarah, not knowing what to do, and frankly being quite foolish, agrees and says, Okay, okay, fine, but stay close to me. Thomas nods. Sarah looks at the stars, deciphering the direction that is north. Sarah taught herself this trick by identifying and memorizing many large constellations. There is, as Sarah describes, a cluster of red and green stars that form the shape of a rabbit's head. North is the direction the ears are facing. Sarah and Thomas set foot into the dark thicket with the only source of light being the vibrant multicolored stars and their tiny moon far up in the sky. Sarah and Thomas reach the edge of Ligna, the border, where the land comes to a halt and shoots down approximately 200 meters. So what's your plan on getting down? asks Thomas. Check this out. Sarah responds wittingly. Sarah leans down on one knee and reaches her hand into a crack on the ground. To Thomas's surprise, a wooden rope ladder has been hidden within the walls of the crack. It's attached up here and goes all the way to the bottom. How did you make that? Thomas asks, bewildered. I didn't make it. I found it. Whoever left it here must have had a wicked adventure. And now it's our turn, asserts Sarah. I trust you, Sarah. Let's begin, or rather finish, our adventure. Sarah disentangles the ladder and takes the first daring step. The two adventurers noticed the wooden rope ladder was quite light and would fly around with the blow of the wind. Every so often, the wind would strike terribly and send Thomas into a complete panicked mode. Thomas's fear of heights betrayed him, though he trudged forward. They reached the bottom of the cliff, and Sarah took the first step into the forest of Nodi, and Thomas followed. The cool wind blew by their faces. A crackling of the sticks beneath their feet could be heard with every step. The leaves rattled as they racked into each other. The whistling of the leaves slightly terrified Thomas. It sounded as if witches were calling his name. After 10 terrifying minutes of walking in the forest, Thomas heard a loud wolf cry coming from his posterior. Thomas jumped and yelped in fright. How, how close was that, Sarah? Whispered Thomas. Maybe a couple hundred meters back, Thomas. I'm sure we're okay. The two adventurers continue on course. Moments later, Thomas heard another wolf cry. The cry appeared to be louder and closer. What, what about that one? Asks Thomas. Um, probably no closer than the first. Don't worry, Sarah assures Thomas. And so again, 
they journey forward into the dark unknown. The forest is near pitch black, but Sarah can still manage to make out her surroundings. As the adventurers venture further into the dark forest, Sarah noticed they were walking towards somewhat of a large cliff face. Sarah is a very able climber. She climbs everything from trees to rock walls, but rarely gets a chance because the adults of Lignan deem it unsafe. Sarah, often escaping the surveillance of the adults, managed to hone her climbing skills, as opposed to Thomas. Thomas, on a scale from 1 through 10, how good of a climber are you? Asks Sarah. Thomas replies, uh, probably a four? Why? Well, Sarah says, there's a cliff face coming. I mean, we could walk around it, but I don't know how wide it is. Oh, I see. How tall is it? Asks Thomas. It can't be taller than three stories, responds Sarah. Abruptly, Sarah detects movement out of the corner of her eye and instantly turns to it. Wait, did you just see that, Thomas? Sarah points. They pause. See what? Asks Thomas. Sarah is almost certain she saw something move in the distance. It must have been the wind, Sarah conjects. Sarah turns around and takes a few steps forward when she notices the wind is null. The atmosphere is completely quiet. She turns back around to Thomas. About 20 meters behind Thomas's head, she spots something. It appears to be a large smudge with two yellowy green dots glowing in the navy blue darkness. Thomas, on the count of three, you are going to sprint straight to the cliff and start climbing, okay? Sarah insists. What? What? I don't... One. Sarah interrupts. Sarah, I don't want to do this. Two. She interrupts again. Sarah. This time, Sarah was not the one to interrupt. Rather, it was the howling of a wolf only 20 meters away. And another. And another. The two lignans are surrounded by wolves on three of their four sides. Three. Yells Sarah. Thomas begins sprinting as quickly as he can to the cliff, getting hit by every branch he runs by. Sarah, too, starts to run, but trips over an overgrown root from one of the many trees. Within a few seconds, Thomas reaches the cliff and turns around. Sarah, where are you? Shouts Thomas. Sarah is on the ground, watching as three wolves dart towards her from three different directions. She starts crawling backwards with her eyes glued on the wolves. As she crawls, she tries to reach one hand into her backpack to find the magic glowing stick. The wolves, now only 10 meters away, are howling at the thought of dinner. All of a sudden, an enormous spear comes spiraling through and impales one of the wolves down to the ground. The other two wolves turn toward their new hostile target when another spear comes soaring in, nearly hitting another wolf. While the wolves are distracted, Sarah is able to find her footing and stands upright. She dashes towards the cliff and begins to climb with Thomas. Thomas and Sarah reach a small plateau where they rest to look down at the situation that's unfolded. Two large burly beings are fist-fighting two grisly-looking wolves. One of the beings, who looks like he had just eaten an entire beehive, lugs a large punch straight into one of the wolf's temple. The wolf lets out a loud yelp and backs off immediately. Sure enough, the other wolf backs up, lets out a growl of defeat, and runs away with his friend. One of the beings turns toward the cliff and stares right into Sarah's eyes. Thomas, we need to climb the rest of this and get out of here, insists Sarah. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree, says Thomas. The two begin climbing up the cliff while the beings shout, Get back down here! Sarah nor Thomas look back or reply. Rather, they continue their ascent until they reach the top of the cliff. Now, three and a half stories above the two pot-bellied beings, Sarah and Thomas look down. One of them is pointing west. They seem to be too heavy to climb and must take the long way around. 
This gives Sarah and Thomas ample time to escape, and that they do. The two lignans run off north. The day begins to break, and they can see their enormous sun brighten up the forest. Sarah and Thomas are completely lost, hungry, and tired, so they decide to catch their breath and reconvene. Who were those people, Sarah? Thomas calls out. I have no clue, but they didn't seem very nice. And they weren't. The two beings were noti hunters, some of the most aggressive soldiers known to anyone. They seek and destroy anything, hunting almost purely for sport. The king of noti is so barbaric, he's known as the nose-eating king of noti. And the name does him justice. So where is this shaman anyways? Thomas asks. Um, well, I'm not entirely sure anymore. We got so turned around. Sarah replies. Thomas suggests. Well, maybe we should head back home. Maybe you're right. Let me figure out which way is south. Sarah stares at the sky to see which direction the sun is rising. Sadly, the forest of Nodi has become so thick that the treetops have completely engulfed the sky. Only micro holes between the leaves allow for light to pass. Okay, so I don't actually know which way is south, Thomas. Sarah says worrisomely. Okay, 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 okay. What should we do? Thomas asks, dazed. Sarah pauses to think for a second. A beam of light shines down onto her head as she has an epiphany. I've got it, Thomas. Follow me. We need to find a creek or a pond, shouts Sarah triumphantly. Water? Why water? What are you going on about? Asks Thomas, slightly bewildered. Sarah starts walking in the first direction she spots, and Thomas follows her, oblivious to what she has in store. Okay, Thomas, you know how I don't have very many friends? Asks Sarah. Well, sure, but you have me and those two kids from the math school, Thomas responds. Exactly. Well, one of those kids taught me about magnets one day. We need, like, a leaf and something shiny and thin. Oh, and water, of course. Where are we supposed to find a thin, shiny object, Sarah? Thomas questions. Sarah ignores the last questions, as she herself does not know. It's now nearing midday, and the two adventurers are getting quite hungry. Sarah finds an enormous fallen tree to which she climbs and sits down on. She unfastens her knapsack and extracts the large bottle of honey milk. The only glass that was packed was also pulled out and set on the large fallen timber trunk. After gulping down her glass, Sarah passes the glass and the bottle of honey milk to Thomas. The wind begins blowing through the air, gentle and warm. Some leaves of many colors fall from the treetops. Actually, an unusual amount of leaves were falling. Sarah notices this legion of falling leaves, and she gazes upward to find five, no, ten, maybe even twenty little creatures sitting on the branches above them. They were cute little creatures about the size of a dozen apples. The creatures were quite fluffy and gray and had round little ears. Sarah pulls out her fighting stick and stands up on the trunk ready to fight. Without moving a mouth, one of the creatures says, We mean no harm. We are just curious of what you are drinking. Sarah, completely thrown back and speechless, maintains her position with the stick held high. Thomas, only now noticing the cute little creatures, lets out an audible gasp. <gasps> we are just curious cartoons. We are peaceful beings. We live in these great trees and eat nothing but leaves, says the second cartoon. Sarah, confused, asks, How do you talk without moving your mouth? That's a good question, says the third cartoon. That's a very good question, says another. And yet again, Indeed, yes, an amazing question, says a fifth cartoon. The first cartoon chimes in. A very good question indeed. 
To put things short, we speak to you not with our mouths, but with our eyes. Sarah, shocked, examines the little cartoons further. Their pupils are not circular like Thomas's and hers, but rather complex patterns. Nothing of the sort has ever been seen in Ligna. Sarah asks, Do you creatures know of where I can find water? Water? Says a cartoon. Hmm, water. Ponders another. Ah, uh, yes, water, water. Another adds. We are not creatures of water like you and your friend, says the first cartoon. But the Nodi are, and they have the only source of water in this forest. Shall we take you to them? Who are the Nodi? Sarah asks. The Nodi are a strong group of men who live together in a fortress-like campground. The deepest pond any being has ever seen lies in the middle of their stronghold. Thomas whispers to Sarah, I bet those guys we saw were Nodis. I'm sure that they were, exclaims a cartoon. Were they fat? Adds a cartoon. Quite large? Inquires another. Yes, said Thomas. There were two of them and they attacked a pack of wolves, saving our lives. Hunters, declares the first cartoon. The hunters of Nodi are brutal beings who want nothing but war. They collect their kills as trophies and cover their houses with pelts. They have tried to kill us, but the Nodis are not very smart, not like you Lignans. How do you know where we're from? Demands Sarah. We Katoons know all, Sarah Wickerton. We are the smartest of life, but are cursed to live in these tiny, cute bodies by the gods. Tells the first Katoon. We challenged the gods to a set of games. The victors would be given everything, and the losers, cursed. They cheated, howled the Katoon. Deceivers, shrills another. Swindlers, says another. Maybe, maybe not. But we are not sore losers, so we took the curse. Now we live in these trees, immortal and harmless. Finalizes the first cartoon. Can you take us to the Nodi's fortress? Asks Sarah. We can point you in the right direction, but we shall not go with you, as we are not very good walkers. Declares the first cartoon. The Nodi fortress is that way. The cartoons all point west. But before you go, you must tell us what you're drinking. Sarah pours her glass to the brim with the remaining honey milk. This is honey milk. It's a lignin special. I hope you enjoy. And thank you. Sarah waves, then grabs her knapsack and jumps down from the log with Thomas. Thank you for this information, young lignans. May we meet again. Thomas and Sarah take off towards the Nodi forest. But why did Sarah not ask for directions to Ligna, you may ask? Simply put, Sarah did not want her adventure to come to a halt. She yearned for this excitement and could not get enough of it. The Nodi forest is surrounded by immense walls standing hundreds of meters tall, reaching the tops of the trees. They were made out of slick black rocks that seemed impenetrable. The enormous door to the fortress stood five stories high and was made out of part wood and part shiny rock. Sarah took the first step toward the door and knocked as hard as she could. She knocked again, a little harder this time. Let me try, asserts Thomas. Thomas steps up next to Sarah and begins to knock. The floor suddenly falls underneath them and they drop into a bucket of sticky goo. Well, I guess I did it, Thomas blurts out. The two adventurers, now sitting in knee-high goo, stand up and look around. It appears as if they are in a mine shaft. The bucket, actually being a cart, begins to move down the railroad inside the gloomy, humid mine shaft. Oh no, I think we're in for it, exclaims Sarah. The minecart continues rolling, passing by many noty miners. The Nodi miners are all chanting away as they excavate their cave. Oh, we, oh, we are the miners of Nodi. Oh, we, eh, 
We are mining for the booty. Oh, we, oh. We are the miners of Nodi. Oh, we, eh. What is here is adobe. The mineshaft is covered in the black adobe rock that the walls were made out of. Adobe is known to be the perfect building material for its strength and mesmerizing color, or lack thereof. Suddenly, the cart comes to a crashing halt. Two Nodi miners stand at the end of the railroad. Who's our use? asks the first Nodi miner. These looks like gnomes, declares the second miner. No, they's too cute to be gnomes, asserts the first. Actually, we are lignans, affirms Sarah. And we seek your great water pond. Yous hear that? These gnomes are looking for our watering holes, burlesques the first miner. Ha, let's take them to the kings and see what he says, says the second miner. The two Nodi miners grab the little lignans and tear them out of the cart. Hey, let go of us, shouts Thomas. The miners ignore Thomas's request and drag them through the mine shaft up to a rickety wooden elevator. The miners shove Sarah and Thomas into the shuttle and jump in after them. They close the gate and begin winding a wheel that activates a pulley system. The elevator shuttle begins slowly rising. Hehehe, <laughs> I wonders what the kings is gonna give us in return for these gnomes, ponders the first miner. <laughs> Maybe it's free adobe, answers the second. The elevator reaches its destination and the first miner pulls open the gates. The elevator is in a magnificent black hallway made completely of adobe. Torches line the top of the hallway, engulfing it with flickering amber light. The Nodi miners push Sarah and Thomas in front of them and shout, Walk forward until we say stop! The little lignans are marveling at the gleamy and glossy building they're in. They've never truly seen any buildings not made of wood. The group passing by many doors, approaches the end of the hallway to reach the final and largest door. The miners tell Thomas and Sarah to stop, and so they do. The first miner takes a step towards the door and slams on it in a pattern. The door opens and the room that resided behind it was remarkable, almost indescribable. Every color of pelt hanged from the ceiling to the floor in organized columns based on their respective color. Blue and red fur, orange and purple leather, you name it and they had it. An impressive white spotted carpet rolled towards an extraordinary throne to which the king was sitting, snacking on a plate of noses. And what do we have here? Demands the nose-eating king of Nodi. Well, your excellencies, we found these gnomes in one of our carts. We thought yous might like them, explains the second miner. Ah, yes, gnomes. Quite delicious. Thank you, miners. Guards, seize these gnomes and bring them to me. Two strong guards dressed in black armor, with cute multicolored feathers scattered around, put down their long pointy sticks and snatch the adventurers from the miners' hands. You two are dismissed. Go back to mining, demands the king. The first miner says, uh, yes, sir, but we were thinking we could... The king cuts off the miner and barks, Now! The two miners scurry off and leave the lignans alone with the king and his guards. So, tell me, gnomes, how did you find yourselves caught in our gooey trap? The king asks. Well, sir, my faithful companion and I, and by the way, we are lignans, not gnomes, seek your source of water so we can find our way home. Illustrates Sarah. Lignan, I've never heard of one. The king looks at his guards. 
Have you men heard of lignans? The guards stand straight and still. Often the king asks rhetorical questions and punishes them if they answer. No, me neither. Must be a brand of gnome, declares the king. Now step up here and let me inspect your noses. Sarah, with the stomach of butterflies, stays put. Suddenly, in some such way, she begins to feel her knapsack moving. Sarah now has an idea. She'll grab the jug of honey milk and throw it at one of the guards. Hopefully it will distract them and her and Thomas can make their great escape. Yes, but first let me present you with a gift, says Sarah. Mm-hmm, the king mutters with a smile. I love gifts. Sarah pulls her knapsack off her back and places it in front of her. She begins to open it when abruptly a cartoon jumps out. What on earth? shouts the king. The guards point their pointy sticks at Sarah, Thomas, and the cartoon. The cartoon widens his eyes and lets out a noise that did, in fact, shatter every window in the building. The king and his guards were completely stunned. Why didn't you get in my knapsack? shouts Sarah. No time for explanations. Thomas, let me jump on your back. Sarah, make for the door, proclaims the cartoon. And so the cartoon jumps on Thomas's back and continues to spray his intense, irritating song straight out of its eyes. The guards are utterly useless against the cartoon's noise. Sarah runs for the door and pulls on it to open. It's too heavy, she yells. Thomas runs over and helps Sarah. The two of them are now able to lift the door open. They enter the hallway and are now completely lost. Which door leads outside? asks Thomas. No time to question. Try them all, demands the cartoon. Sarah and Thomas begin pulling on every door in the hallway. No, not the first one, nor the second, nor the third. Finally, they reach the fourth door, which pulls open to a village of noties. The cartoon has ran out of energy and is no longer projecting his screech. The guards, now unparalyzed, stand up and begin chasing the trio down. Get those little gnomes! screams the king. Sarah and Thomas leap out of the doorway and begin looking around for the gateway. Thomas spots the exit gate, but moments later, five guards form a line blocking their easy escape. Follow me! shouts Sarah, running in the opposite direction. Thomas, with the cartoon on his back, follows Sarah. The two guards from the king's lair are getting closer with every step. Sarah's looking around for any glimpse of freedom as she runs through the village. She sees a ladder leaned up against a straw and mud hut that she could use to climb and jump over the wall, though it is quite the ways away. Run for that ladder! Sarah points. All of a sudden, two noty observers just ahead of the group shouts, Hey, I know those two little gnomes! They were the hunters from before. Oh no, thought Sarah, as the path to freedom becomes blocked again. Sarah and Thomas try to turn around, but it was too late. The hunters picked them up and carried them into their house. We finally got you, proudly exclaimed the first hunter. 